Good afternoon, good afternoon, everybody. This is your host, Isaac, a.k.a. The Finisher. Welcome to The Den. The Den is a social-friendly podcast where we talk conversations that are pure to the heart. And they're told by the people that want to tell them the way that they want to tell them. I have a very special guest with me today. Um, Her name is Miss Kimberly Henry. And we're going to talk about a variety of different issues. So without further ado, I want to welcome Miss Kimberly Henry. How you doing, Kimberly? Hi, Isaac. I'm well. How are you? How's your week been? It's going great. I just took a nap, got my hair cut today. <laughs> I feel great. Oh, you took a nap and got your hair cut. And got my hair cut. Man, you know what? <laughs> that must be a great feeling because I most definitely need to shave and take me a nap myself, but, you know, I'll get there. So, Kimberly, tell our audience a little bit about who you are. So I uh, I was raised by two alcoholic parents and really went through a whole experience of experiencing domestic violence. And then uh, when I got older, I met a man who was also a drug addict and an alcoholic. And so I'm a single mom now. I left him when she was less than two years old. And I went through this whole journey. And then now today I am choosing to work for myself and I'm a memoir writing expert. And I really find it important that people write their stories because it's not about the writing, it's about discovering that self-discovery and that compassion and that forgiveness for ourselves and for the people in our lives. Exactly. You talk about self-discovery for you. Um, when did that light bulb go off for you when you found out that, um, writing was going to be an outlet for you to tell your story? Oh my gosh. It was when I was in the chaos of handling family court and, the experience of leaving my daughter's father because it literally felt like I was in hell and I felt like I didn't have an outlet and it didn't really feel like there was any solution on how to help me to cope with it because I was working full-time. I had my daughter by myself raising her and I really felt like there was no coping that I had and no outsource and I was invited by a friend to go to a poetry reading just because her mom was reading poetry. And when I was there less than a half hour into it, I'm like, wow, this can help me write what I'm going through. And that's what I started using. I started using writing poetry as an outlet. So the anger that I had with dealing with family court on a consistent basis or the craziness, because I was being, um, I was dealing also with child protective services being called by her father. Okay. So it was a lot of chaos and the writing was so therapeutic for me to have it that I could put it on paper and know that I'm not going to be arrested because I'm writing about what I was experiencing at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I understand exactly how you feel. Um, you know, I, I tell a lot of my clients, I said, sometimes the best way to resolve an issue or the best way to really look at your pain is to put it on paper. 
And what I'm finding out is that the more that they do it, and I tell them to put it on paper no matter how it sounds, but what I do, I tell them don't read it back to yourself. I want you to put it away, and at the end of the week, I want you to go back, and I want you to reread it, and I want you to reread it and process how your week has been, and then Mm -hmm. tell yourself if there was something in that process that you could have done something different. And writing is a really, really, really helpful and it's a really strong tool for any for anybody out there that really don't know what to do with what they're thinking or how they're feeling. And I suggest to anybody, if you feel like you need to say something or you're having some feelings and you really don't know how to really articulate that, put it on a piece of paper. But I want to go back mm-hmm. to you being raised in an alcoholic family. Um, what was that like for you growing up? Well, as a kid, it was hard because I felt responsible for the world. I remember being like four years old, feeling responsible for not only my parents, but my sister. You know, at four years old, you know, we just want to be kids. And being in that type of environment, you know, we really don't always understand what's going on or what's happening. But however, we do understand chaos. And at four years old, I mean, that had to be pretty tough. Yeah, it was challenging because I I have always been a happy-go-lucky kid wanting to make people smile. I want people to feel good. I, you know, the peacemaker. So I, I, I can even remember at four years old figuring out, navigating, well, what, what's going to make the home peaceful what's going to make people happy so how did you figure yeah that meant having to run to get their beers then that's what (laughs) i did you know what i mean so i was the one who would go and run and get the beers and whatever it took because i just wanted people to be happy that's that passive behavior that we learn in 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 the moment of of surviving i most Mm -hmm. definitely know what that feels like i just want this environment to be halfway um functionable so whatever i need to do you know i need to do if that means i need to go get the beers i need to go get some slippers you know i need to intervene sometimes so i just need to make my sister happy you know that's what i need to do what was the relationship like between you and your sister i don't have any memories of my sister until i was about nine or ten years old okay what were those memories like Well, it's interesting because really the only memory I have when I was like 10 years old is the posters that she had on her bedroom wall. I remember what musical bands that she liked. Okay. Okay. So I really don't remember anything in particular about her herself. And I think that's because the dynamics of her childhood was so different from my childhood. Her childhood, um, our grandmother was more like our mom which is really why what I do is important to me with what I do. So when I, when she was a little kid, my grandmother was always somewhere in the vicinity of where we lived, usually next door or sometimes above us. And so she always would escape and go to my grandmother. Sometimes they didn't even know that she left the place. She left home to go to my grandmother. They'd wake up in the morning, she wasn't there, and they would know that she was with my grandmother. I didn't have that outlet when I was little. I didn't have anywhere to escape to per se. 
So how did you continue to cope other than just being that passive little girl that felt like, you know, you needed to do certain things to kind of, to, to stay in survival mode? Honestly, I think the way that I continued through it was because I'm also very uh, empathic. I've also been able to pick up energies of people. Okay. And so I always knew, even as a little girl, that something was very upsetting with my mom and my dad. I just could never figure out what it was. So I kind of always held that space without knowing that I was holding that space for them, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Um, due to the fact that um, your house was um, unfunctionable, did that affect you educationally as far as going to school and getting good grades or making friends? How did that affect that part of your life? Hmm. When it came to school, I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I was stupid. And why was that? I didn't I put in I didn't put the effort into what I could have put into it throughout all of my education from elementary to high school. I think I kind of felt like the perception of I care so much about them and I'm doing so much for them and nobody really cares about what I do and if they don't care then why should I care? But I was also that social one that I used to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually had that on my report card. I usually had she talks too much. She talks too much. She's very yeah. talkative. You know why I'm laughing? Because every one of my teachers, yeah. In first grade, I got time and put in the corner because I was writing a letter to a boy that was sitting near me. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been something else. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um... You know, I'm quite sure navigating through that that part of your life, um, being in a chaotic household, coming from parents that suffer from a disease of addiction, um, had to be very tough. And you talked about earlier um, kind of finding yourself when you went to, it was poetry, am I correct? Yes. Yeah, through poetry. That's how it started. It started with poetry. So tell us a little bit about that. Once you discovered that, you begin to enjoy poetry. Um, what was like life like for you after that? Well, like I was saying before, the beginning of writing poetry was really therapeutic for me. I didn't feel like I had a a source to go to, and and my own personal experience as a woman dealing with domestic violence, it's really important to me what. what occurs in that situation because I really felt like the world was against me. If I called the police, they didn't really want to help me. If I went to friends, they really didn't know what to do about it. And then uh, and then oftentimes I heard, well, why did you stay as long as you did or why were you dealing with what you were dealing with? So if that if that makes any sense, so it was really the only outlet that felt like something tangible that helped me to feel better with writing what was I you know what at the time I was experiencing whether it was anger, depression, confusion. I had an outlet that I could put it down on paper, and a lot of times the, the poetry was pretty 
crappy for better life of words. <laughs> okay. Okay. But it, I didn't want it. It wasn't about quality for me. It was about this is something that helps me to feel better. Actually, it was it was your outlet for you to express how you was feeling. And even I wrote about experiences of watching my daughter grow up without her father and what she was experiencing because it was so chaotic with her father after I left that I wanted to make sure she was safe. And so any kind of issues that came up, I stood in the front of her so that she didn't have any trauma and any experience like that because I didn't want her experience what I experienced as a kid. Exactly. Even though it wasn't the same situation. Right. I mean, you know? I mean, being in, being, you know, coming from a, fam a family of um, addicts and then getting into another situation where your partner is an, is an alcoholic and, and abusive. Um, what was that like for you? Did you feel like, you know, this, like at this point in time, like I'm back where I started from. Did you ever feel that way at any point in your relationship with your daughter's father based on your experience with your parents? No, honestly, I was too much in survival mode. I was surviving. So I, I, I can say that I felt like I was like sleepwalking through life at that point because I was surviving sometimes in moments. If I wasn't just surviving every day. Sometimes it was literally, let me just survive this moment. You was basically so just took, taking it day by day. It took a while day. for yeah. me to get to that place of yeah. the self-awakening to really see it and take responsibility for it and own it. Well, you most definitely own it because I'm, I'm quite sure, you know, you did find a way to get out of that situation and um, start your life over again. Once you got out of that situation, what was, what was starting over again? What was that like? Well... That's the interesting part, too. I stayed single for some time, and I focused on myself. I went back to school, and uh, it was the principle of I wanted to see my daughter to see that when I start something, I can finish it no matter what. And it was uh, her seeing that I could commit to something for myself. And so it took me six years to get a two-year degree. Okay. She was a social bug and, and everything. I was also a Girl Scout leader for her troop and working full-time. So uh, I, I did that. And then I also met someone else, and um, that person I stayed in a relationship with that I did not realize it was unhealthy because I convinced myself he wasn't an alcoholic, he wasn't a drug addict. So I convinced myself, oh, this isn't the same situation, this is different. 13 years later, I came to a discovery of I've been in a relationship with a man who is similar like my dad, emotionally unavailable and just pretty much unavailable all the ways around. Yeah. So life is interesting that way because we can convince ourselves of one thing and then really when it came into like it slapped me in the face, the universe like presented it, it was like no denying it anymore. I was like, wow. It's there in front of me. That's a that's an amazing story. So tell us about your poetry writing. Tell our audience a little bit about that. 
About the poetry? Yes. Uh, the poetry has evolved over the years. It went from being therapeutic, being able to have that outlet of getting my words on paper so that I could feel like I had something tangible to cope with, to now uh, I can write something and it's like I'm a messenger giving people a gift because it's like sometimes the words come out so quickly I can write something in like less than five minutes. Wow. So it's more in depth and it's more in tune with who I am. And I really feel like when I was going through the even the transition of leaving the ex that I just spoke about after 13 years and when I came to that realization uh, and then I started all over again then my poetry was even such in tune that I was like manifesting who was going to come into my life because then I was getting so clear on who I wanted in my life because I was so done with repeating those things over that I had been all my life because I was just choosing to stay in something that felt comfortable because it was the only thing that I knew and it was familiar. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense because, you know, you know, personal experience, uh, what I found out is that um, pain can be comfortable and we can adapt yeah. to pain to a level where we not only hold on to it, we make it part of our comfortability, which doesn't allow us to grow in any other areas because we stay in that place. Yeah. So I most definitely understand. So what would you what would you tell our audience um, if you had any words of wisdom on, you know, based on your experience and being in abusive relationships? What would you tell our audience? You know, what would you suggest that they do? And if any, how to get out? I couldn't hear you very clearly, but I think I heard you say, what would I suggest to your audience if they were going through something of that experience? Yes. Okay. Um, I would recommend in my own personal experience, it was really choosing to take a look at myself. Because once I, once I get clear on I'm in this relationship, it's so reliving my childhood and being neutral about it, not making it right or wrong, but looking at it in a neutral way of, okay, I'm choosing to live in this situation because this is the only thing I've known and do I really want it? And by knowing what we don't want, we can get clear on what we do want. And I knew that I didn't want to be in that kind of environment anymore. And it was nothing about the other person. It was just want that kind of environment anymore I didn't want that kind of relationship anymore so then I really went into myself and really started being willing to be responsible and owning who am I that is making who who is making these choices to live in that familiar situation well, who am I willing to be to change because if I want someone different to come into my life then I've got to choose to be different in my life it always starts. I think that answers your question. You really, <laughs> really did. And I, I was sitting up here and I was thinking about it. 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it starts with the decisions that we make and it starts with what we allow to be what what we allow ourselves to be comfortable in and what we allow mm-hmm. ourselves to be comfortable with. Kimberly, yeah. I am I just want to say thank you for coming on my show and sharing your story cuz you could have been anywhere in the world today but you decided to stop by and pay us a visit at the den. How can our listeners reach you? Oh, sure. They can go to my website and I'll send it to you in um, a message so that it's clear. It's It has to include the HTTPS okay. semicolon forward slash forward slash Kimberly Henry coaching dot com. OK. And how can and some of our audience get get a hold to some of that poetry? Because that's what I'm interested in. Oh, well, that's interesting because I I haven't really put my poetry out there. Well, Kimberly, I want to I want to suggest that you put it out there. Well, when I say I haven't put it out there, I'm including it in my memoir. Okay. And I'm still working on editing and publishing my my writing. Okay. So okay. I can release that to you and your listeners once I have that complete with editing it and publishing it. I'm most definitely looking forward to it. Most definitely. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And I appreciate you taking time out your day to come on to the den and sharing your story with our audience. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, our guest, Kimberly Henry. Once again, I know you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you decide to come and pay us a visit at the den. I want to personally thank you, Kimberly and I want to wish you the best in all your endeavors. Thank you very much, Isaiah. And thank you, Kimberly.